Bibles and turn to Luke chapter 13, verses 1 through 5. Luke 13, Luke 13. I want to preach today on a subject, what September 11, 2001 taught us. For those of you who were not uh, born at that time or maybe do not remember uh, so well because of your age, I want you to know there's, there are some things that you need to learn uh, from what happened on that day, and I believe that we can learn from it. But in Luke chapter 13, let's begin reading there at verse 1. There were present at that season some that told him of the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. And Jesus answering and said unto them, Suppose ye that these Galileans were sinners above all the Galileans because they suffered such things. This is Luke chapter 13, verse 3. I tell you, nay, but except ye repent, ye shall all likewise, what's that word? Perish. Unless you repent, you shall all likewise perish, or those uh, 18 upon whom the tower of Siloam fell and slew them, think ye that they were sinners above all men that dwelt in Jerusalem. I tell you, nay, but except ye repent, you shall all likewise perish. Our Heavenly Father, may that uh, one truth at the very least really sink into our hearts today that the only way a man or a woman or a child will come to, to heaven, will make it to heaven, will be if they repent, if they turn to you, put their faith and trust in you. So you work in, it in our hearts and help us to not forget. We talked about it earlier in Sunday school, how many times we Israelis, they forgot what you did. And may we not forget, for we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Early Sunday morning, December the 7th, 1941, Japanese fighter pilots executed a surprise attack on Pearl Harbor. This was the, uh, there at the American Naval Forces, anchored there at Pearl Harbor. And after the, that event became um, known to the world, President Franklin Roosevelt declared that it was a day which will live in infamy. The word infamy means an evil reputation brought about by something grossly criminal, shocking, or brutal. For all, all, all these years, since uh, the day of Pearl Harbor, th 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 those uh, awful events, uh, it was one of the most infamous, the most uh, awful events in American history, all the thousands that died. However, September 11th, 2001. Many of us witnessed that. I remember it was a Tuesday morning. I was here at the church, and I was trying to tune in the radio, which is hard out in our area, turn it in to hear a talk radio about some of the, the what's going on in the world. And as I cleared it in on one station, all of a sudden it came uh, about a plane hitting one of the towers. And so then I went and found the television down in the basement at that time and plugged it in and got the antenna all uh, adjusted and watched as another plane crashed into the second tower. And all the events began to unfold on that day. I went home and we uh, uh, watched everything there with the kids 
uh, of what was happening in America on September 11, 2001. This, we witnessed this new day of infamy that really did uh, eclipse the horrors of Pearl Harbor even. And as we watched there on live television, thousands of American citizens, many of them were not American citizens or they were uh, from other nations, but they were sent into eternity in what I think could be called a, a very brutal and devastating attack uh, on the on mainland of America. And it, it was beyond anything we could comprehend. I remember it just almost in shock. I couldn't... Uh, I think, surely this isn't happening. What is, what's going on? The first tower was enough. You thought maybe it was an accident. Maybe some uh, horrible event happened and it was just an accident. But then the second, something we knew was, was going on that was even worse than an accident. And so, you know, these things opened up. This, uh, the loss of life on that one day was just staggering. Women, children, men all the first responders that rushed into those towers to save lives, and they were, themselves were crushed. The economic cost was phenomenal. We're still experiencing that uh, to some degree. It was an event that made a lifelong impact on all of us that witnessed it. And the impact was felt emotionally. It was felt economically, militarily, psychologically, and it was especially felt spiritually. We have to remember there is a battle that is raging here in this world, and it's a spiritual battle. It's real. And the devil, he is that roaring lion walking about seeking whom he may devour. As John put it in John chapter 10, he's that thief who seeks to destroy, to kill. And that's what he, his desire is. And he was behind these events, though he used the human instruments. But um, the events of that day were horrible beyond our belief. It's, it's something that's even hard to describe. When we, on live television, saw people jumping from windows hundreds of feet up in the air to try to escape the horrible flames. And... And so we, we witnessed these, those things. Now, 21 years after this terrorist attack, 21 years after that long period of time of, uh, of recovering bodies from the rubble of the, the towers and, and from the plane there in Pennsylvania, from the Pentagon building and all these, these uh, attacks on that day, there are some lessons, I believe, that we can still learn that we ought to remember. We ought never forget what happened on that day. We ought never forget the lives that were lost on that day. But in our text here, Jesus, he used a, this tragic event in his day that, uh, you know, that they, 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 that they could learn some things from this tragic event. And he want, wanted to teach them some spiritual lessons. And I, again, I believe there are some spiritual lessons that we can learn from events like 9-11 and events that other things that happen in our lives that may not be as monumental, may not affect as many people, but it definitely affects us. And we wonder why we, we cannot understand it. But there are some lessons we can learn. And I want to share with you these lessons that I believe America should have learned 
from 9-11 and can learn today. Number one, we learn lessons of life. Life is brief. Uh, sometimes when we're young, we think we are invincible. We think we have forever. And death, you know, it's not real to us. As we grow older, it becomes more real. But the fact of the matter is, life is brief. Allow me to read some scriptures here this morning. James chapter 4, you know this text. It's a familiar text. But James talks about life. And he says, whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow, who of us does know what's on tomorrow? Who knows what's going to happen the next 10 minutes, let alone uh, tomorrow? But he goes on and says, for what is your life? James asked this question. It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. It's like the steam rising above a kettle. You've all seen it. And it's only there briefly, and it dissipates. It's gone. That's how brief our life really is. If you live to be over 100 years old, still, it could be said life is so brief. It's so brief. Job, he talked about the briefness of life in Job chapter 7, verses 6 and 7. Here Job says, my days are swifter than a weaver's shuttle and are spent without hope, like the beaver that slaps his tail on the water. That's how brief, how fast my life goes by. He goes on, he says, oh, remember that my life is wind. Mine eyes shall no more see good. Speaking about the shortness or the briefness of life. In Psalm, the, the psalmist in Psalm 103, verses 15 and 16, he says, as for man, his days are grass. Boy, we know grass is, it, it withers away, doesn't it? If, if we don't get rain for long, our yard turns brown. And in the wintertime, it turns that way anyway. It does not last forever. And, uh, but he says, his days are as grass, as a flower of the field, so he flourishes. And boy, with the brilliance and the beauty and, and the display and uh, that, that life may be. For the, uh, it, but he goes on, for the wind passeth over it, and it's gone. It's gone. And the place thereof shall know it no more. And we know how, um, you know, us men would probably come to that conclusion faster. Yeah, we know flowers are there. No, don't give flowers. Well, they're dead in just a couple days. But no, I'm not saying that at all. Uh, do give your flowers. Please do that. Make your wife happy, and you'll be happy. But the point here is made that that flower, it flourishes in the field, but the wind comes, and it's gone. That's how swift, that's how brief our life really is. Proverbs 27.1, again, he says, the, uh, Solomon says, boast not thyself of tomorrow. Don't, don't think that you're, you're going to say, I know what's going to happen. No, you don't. Don't boast. Uh, you, as James put it, we should say, the Lord willing, the Lord wills, the Lord wills, I'll do this or that. But he says, boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. A lesson that we can learn from 9-11, life is brief. I think that's a lesson we can learn from the COVID, the, the um, uh, coronavirus, is that life is brief. People of all ages were affected. 
And then the second lesson is life is precious. Listen to Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the flesh of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. God breathes life into Adam and Eve. God gave us life and God, it is, it is a precious thing. We are made in the image of God. We're here. Uh, we are to have dominion. You know what that means? That means uh, you deer hunters. Yeah, praise God. You're doing God's work. Go out and kill some deer. And uh, do it legally. Do it right. But that, there's nothing wrong with that at all. We are to have, uh, you know, those cattle. That, that's not my uncle and aunt out there. They're, uh, they're, those are, oh, they're good eating, aren't they, Brother Charles? Uh, they're, that's, God gave them for us. Now, uh, but my point here is life is precious. Matthew, listen to what Matthew said in Matthew chapter 10, verse 29. Are not two sparrows sold for a farthing? And one of them shall not fall on the ground without your father. But that every hairs of your head are all numbered. Uh, doesn't take some of us very long to count that, does it? But fear ye not, therefore, ye are of more value than many sparrows. And, and here he says that just one sparrow, God is aware of it falling to the ground. God knows the number of your hairs on your head. And he says here that you are of greater value than many sparrows, than any animal. That's why I'm not uh, uh, you know, animal rights activist. I'll never forget the uh, time where they uh, took an injured uh, a sea otter and they nurtured it back to life and got it nice and healthy. And they had the band out playing there on the West Coast. And they were going to turn it loose in the sea. And there was, uh, you know, the band was playing. The people were all excited. They turned the otter loose, and a killer whale came and ate it. Um, kind of defeated their, that wasn't what their, uh, the end they wanted. But that's life, isn't it? That's, that's what happens. But my, again, life is a precious thing. And I think in our day and age, it has been devalued. We have lost the sanctity of life. One of the things that have been very instrumental in doing that is abortion. The taking of life and thinking nothing of it. In fact, not only that, they demand it's my right to kill my baby. No, it is not. I don't care. Uh, the time for the decision to be made is before you have any relationship with a, a man. That, that's when the, the young lady makes that decision. But abortion never is right. It's taking a life. And there, there was a, a great outcry over the thousands that died there in New York City, and rightfully so. There were a, a great outcry of those that died in Pennsylvania, that plane crash, and those that died in the Pentagon. And, and again, rightfully so, and justifiably so, because those were real people that had families. And uh, may they never be May we never forget them. May their deaths never be in vain. However, what about the over 4,000 who die every day legally because of abortion? What about the four per second who are dying? Every second, they're dying. Four. The, you know, the amounts they say to somewhere around 345,600 people who die every day and the majority of those people are lost. 
Where's the outcry of those that have died? I haven't heard the statistics for this weekend, but every weekend it seems like there's a, a number of people who die in Chicago, in the streets of Chicago, streets of New York, Los Angeles. Where is the outcry of those? And in fact, there's not an outcry, but there's a releasing of the, the criminals, the ones who, who are, are doing the murdering. Whereas life is precious regardless of where life is. Life is precious regardless of what the race of that person is. Black, you know, Jesus loves all the children, red, yellow, black, and white. Doesn't matter the color of their skin. That life matters. Life is precious. That's what 9-11 reminded us of. That's what those kind of events help us come to that conclusion. Then thirdly, life is tragic. Again, Job, he spoke of the tragic side of life. He said in Job 14.1, man that is born of a woman is of a few days and full of troubles. Job knew about the trouble of life. Ecclesiastes here in chapter 2, verse 22 and 23, for what hath man of all his labor and of the vexation of his heart wherein he hath labored under the sun? For all his days are sorrows and his travail grief, yea, his heart taketh not rest in the night. This is also vanity. Boy, life is tragic. Life isn't always fair. It doesn't, it doesn't end uh, like the stories in the uh, fairy tales. Uh, life is unexpected. Things happen. John chapter 16, verse 33, These things have I spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace, Jesus said. In the world, listen to this, in the world, Jesus said, ye shall have tribulation. There's going to be trouble, problems. But be of good cheer, he said, I have overcome the world. And then another point about life that we can learn from that day is that life is tainted by sin. The question is asked, why? I, need, I don't have to have you raise your hand, but I am sure all of us, at one time or another, maybe we didn't even verbalize it, but in our minds we're saying, why? Why did this happen? Why me? Or why them? Why, why, why? But why do these things happen? I'm sure on 9-11. I couldn't believe it. I, you know, why? Why did this have to happen? And there are many uh, complex answers, I'm sure, but the simple answer is sin. Sin is what brought, brought death into this world. The, the root of these events can be traced back to the sin of one man and one woman. And I'm not talking about Adam and Eve. But the root of the problems that we saw in 9-11, the problems that we see uh, uh, occurring over and over again in the Middle East, all began because of the sin of one man and one woman. Genesis 16, we don't have time to read it this morning, but God promised Abraham and he promised Sarah a child in their own. Yes, they were near 100 years old. It was not, uh, didn't seem humanly, and it wasn't humanly possible. But God promised them. But they got the bright idea after they didn't have a child yet. Uh, Sarah approached Abraham and said, listen, we need to help God out. You know, God, uh, I've, I've got uh, this maid. Uh, you, you can have a child with her, and that'll be, 
God's answer of prayers for us. And so they, that was not God's way. That was sin. And because of that sin, there was a child born, Ishmael, who is the father of all of these uh, Muslim countries, these Arabs who have uh, just, uh, who, who hate the Jews, who have attacked them, and, and really who brought that attack to America. And so these things, uh, again, are a perfect illustration of Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Romans 3, verse 10, it says there's none righteous. No, there's, there's no one that does everything right all the time. We are, as it says in verse 23, we are all sinners, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Psalm 14, verses 1 through 3, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. That is the fool. What a foolish thing to do. Do you think that somehow because of their sincere beliefs, that those men that killed their, themselves in that uh, explosion, that they are going to be rewarded as they promised in their religion? Not so. Not so. Not at all. Uh, listen, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Uh, who rejects Jesus Christ. That's a fool who does that. And they are, they are corrupt. They have done abominable works. There is none that doeth good. The Lord looked down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there were any that did understand and seek God. They are all gone aside. They are all together become filthy. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. Boy, a clear description of mankind without God. So life is tainted by sin. So in other words, we can't blame anyone but ourselves, because of it, ultimately that's it. It's sin. You say, well, uh, uh, that person that has all these problems, they're a good person. They don't do uh, those evil things. You're right, but I'm not saying it's necessarily because of their sin. But sin is what problems that taint our, our life is tainted by sin. Then uh, another point here, we learn life does not end at death. All those thousands who stopped living there on Tuesday morning, September 11th, 2001, they started living somewhere immediately, somewhere else in eternity. Here's what the Bible says. In 2 Corinthians 5, 8, we are confident, Paul says, and uh, I say willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. What he's saying is there, I'm looking forward to the day I'm, because I, I know that when I die, when I'm absent from this body, I'll be with God immediately. And that's what happened on 9-11 for every believer that died in that awful way. Every one of those believers immediately were with the Lord. Luke chapter 16, verse 22, and it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. Now that's a, a great experience. Here's this man who had nothing in this world. But when he died, the angels of heaven came and ushered him into heaven. Why? Because he had faith in God. He had trusted the Lord. But it goes on in this story. The rich man also died. And you know what it says about him? He was buried. Now, it wouldn't be so bad if it stopped right there. The rich man died and was buried. There was no angels involved. 
But it didn't stop right there. He was buried. Listen to the next verse. And in hell, he lifted up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. Immediately when that rich man died, he opened his eyes in hell, in the flames of hell. That's a true story there in the word of God. The Christian, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. For the unsaved, to be absent from the body is to be in the flames, the suffering of hell. Chapter 1, verse 25, that he which take part of this ministry and apostleship from which Judas by transgression fell, that he might go to his own place. And he chose that. It was his own doing. Judas could not, think about that, I've said it before, but Judas kissed the very door of heaven and died and went to hell. Think about being that close every day for all of those years, that close to heaven. Right there is, is the door, Jesus. The way, Jesus. But dying and going to hell because you never received him as your Savior. There were people in the towers that we uh, got reports of that were calling their, parent, or calling their families. And they were, they were telling their families that they would see them in heaven. If they knew the Lord, praise God. You know, they understood. I'm going to miss my family. And look, those of us who have, we've all lost loved ones, we know that pain, that sorrow. Is, if they knew the Lord, we sorrow not for them, for they are with the Lord. So we can take some comfort from knowing that. We learned some lessons about life. Have you learned those lessons? Young and old alike. Things are still happening in our world. We don't understand that. why. All the death is all around us. Don't, don't uh, spend the time complaining and wondering and blaming God. Uh, understand that God wants, us, wants to teach us some th things through these events. And then we also learn lessons of liberty. Liberty is a, is a precious possession. We have a precious liberty in this country. I believe a lot of our freedoms have been taken from us, but still, the greatest country in the world. And we've had, uh, all of us have had relatives, or most of us have had relatives who have fought for that freedom. And, but we are free to worship, free to live for God without governmental intervention or prevention or persecution. And that liberty must be preserved. It must be defended at all costs. We have those in office right now who want to take that liberty from us, who did for a time. I won't get into that, but uh, liberty is a precious possession. It was for, uh, what did Patrick Henry say? Give me liberty or give me death. That's how valuable it was to him, and it should be to all of us Americans. Liberty is a fragile possession. We could see our freedoms stripped away, and we are seeing things that are quite shocking in that area. It, it wouldn't take uh, much to see America fall into the kind of disarray that plagues uh, a lot of other nations in this world. We, we must take our place along other fellow Americans uh, that, that believe, that defend this great nation. We must, look, socialism, no, they're not going to find me next to socialism or anyone that is for our government. I'm against it. I'll, I'll say it publicly. I'll say it on the ballot. 
but uh, we must defend that. Uh, we, we, uh, it's because our, our liberty is very fragile. Liberty is also it's a costly possession. America is the nation we are because, well, two and a half centuries ago, men and women were willing to pay whatever price that they must pay uh, that was demanded of them to be free. Patrick Henry stated, give me liberty or give me death. And many that signed that constitution, that signed that declaration of independence, lost their lives in awful ways. But uh, we, we did not live during the days of the Revolutionary War. And for some of those who go to Harvard and Yale, that uh, we were not fighting the Germans. Or we were not fighting the South. We were fighting the British. But uh, uh, I say that in jest. There are some that uh, in these interviews you'll hear, just it's embarrassing. But we, listen, the days of the Revolutionary War, we were not there. But we are still involved in a fight for freedom. There is a, a, a large element that wants to take our freedoms away. We must do our part in these days. We must defend our nation and protect the freedoms that we enjoy. And one of the basic ways we can do that is to vote wisely, biblically. We must saturate this whole situation of America in prayer. I hope you're praying for America. Turn with me, if you would. I, I'm not having you turn to too many scriptures here this morning, but turn to 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 1. Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men, who shall be able to teach others also? Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangles himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. There's the spiritual battle that is going on, and we need to be that faithful soldier of the Lord Jesus Christ and, and uh, stand up for these freedoms, these liberties. It's a costly uh, possession. We must be ready to sacrifice without complaint, be ready to protect our liberties. We must be willing to give all that we have, even our lives if necessary, to secure freedom for the next generation and the next generation. You know, it, it, it stings me when I hear people talking, you know, politicians about spending trillions of dollars without even a thought. But it's not them that is going to be really stuck with the bill. For generations, they'll be paying for it. And, but that's, even, that's not even the worst of it. It's all the other things, the freedoms that have been, that we are, uh, are allowing to be taken away. is a costly possession. And so we learn lessons about life, lessons about liberty. And then, number three, we learn lessons about God. Now, events like 9-11, they always raise the questions about God. And I heard some of these questions asked way back then, and I've heard it since then many a time. Like, where was God in, during 9-11? Did he know what was going on? Could God have stopped it? Why didn't he stop the 9-11 event? Now, while there were no 
easy answers to any of those questions. There are several truths that I think that, we, that will give us comfort in, in events like these. Number one, his love, God's love, is constant. God knew what happened on 9-11. God never stopped loving every soul that was taken from us then, nor since. God, uh, some, some have no doubt questioned the love of God in the light of devastating events like 9-11 or even like the uh, uh, coronavirus. However, God's love was not in any way, shape, or form diminished in the event of 9-11, in the terrorist attack of 9-11. Now, God's, look, he still loved those who perished. In fact, I'll go so far as to say this. God even loved those who brought the attack against America. And if, if those who are hurting would reach out to God, they would find God there, God's love. It's neither, it hasn't failed. It hasn't diminished in any, any way. His love is constant. What did Jeremiah talk, how, how did he say, or what did he say about God's love? He, he has loved us with an everlasting love. An everlasting love. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. 1 John 4, 8, he that loveth not knoweth not God. Why? Because for God is love. Then his love is constant. His promises are sure. Some have wondered about God's promises at times like 9-11. And, and I just want to remind you what happened the day um, on September 11, 2001. Changed nothing as far as God is concerned. Well, what I'm saying didn't alter his promises. It didn't, it didn't prove that God was not true to his promises. His promises are still as valid today as they were before 9-11 or any other tragedy. His word, God's word that you have in your hands today is still valid, is still true. And God is still in control. He will still uh, keep his promises in his word. Romans 4, 21, and being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. So, and look, Psalms 23, folks, it still stands true today. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Then his great grace is sufficient. Well, that's a, that's a great truth, uh, something that comforts us in events like that. His grace is, is sufficient. Um, during that time, many asked, I, I heard some even ask similar questions to this. You know, how... How am I going to get through this? How am I going to make it through the next day, week, month after something so devastating in my life? And the answer really is simple. We will make it through these kind of days in our life and the ones that we have that haven't happened yet if we place our faith in Jesus Christ, if we rely upon the God of heaven to see us through. That's how we can keep on going on. And so as we lean on him, we will find that, yes, he is able. Yes, his grace is sufficient. Paul learned that in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, where he uh, asked the Lord three times to take that thorn in the flesh away. 
and the Lord told him his grace, or he found out God's grace was sufficient. 2 Timothy 3, 2, for men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy. It tells us, the Bible does, of these unholy, uh, these last days, these days that will be filled with trouble and trials and dangerous times. And I think we're seeing some of those days. We're in the last days. If we'll be able to endure these trials, these troubles that will befall our world, if we'll just trust in God, knowing that he is in control, and, and anchor our, our, our soul deep into him, trust him, he'll sustain us. His grace is sufficient. Hebrews 6.19, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which entereth into the, uh, with it, which entereth into that within the veil. Then his plan is perfect. Well, I just wanted to throw that point out there. God's plan. Others may be left with a feeling that somehow God is no longer in control. On, on events like that or events that's happened even since, they, they, they feel, well, where, where was God? God cannot be in control and, uh, in, of the world because of what has happened, what is going on in my life. And some may be guilty of questioning God, questioning his plan for the ages, and doubting God. And that is, he is the, listen to this, God is sovereign. That means he is in absolute control of all things. He is in control. Much scripture about that. He brings rulers to power for specific times. Uh, we grumble about some of the leaders. Well, God allowed them to be where they are because maybe it's trying to teach us some lessons. He allows things to accomplish his own purpose. Uh, the Lord kill us, as Samuel said, make us alive. He bringeth down to the grave and bringeth up. The Lord maketh poor and maketh rich. He bringeth low and lifteth, lifteth up. He raiseth up the poor out of the dust and lifteth up, lifteth up the beggar from the dunghill to set them down among princes and to make them inherit the throne of glory. Just the five Samuel knew that God was in control of all of these things. God is in control. His salvation. Listen, uh, another thing, a point about God, before I talk about salvation, is that God wasn't caught off guard on 9-11. God wasn't caught off guard during the COVID-19, the, the coronavirus. God knew these things were occurring. Isaiah said, Behold, the former things are come to pass, the new things do I declare before the spring forth. Uh, forth I tell you of them. God knew all the things that were to come. And here's the point I want to want to uh, wind up on and, and close this morning's message is his salvation is available. God cares for every soul. God cared for every soul in both of those towers. God cared for all the souls in the airplanes, uh, the, uh, the terrorists as well as the uh, innocent uh, uh, passengers in those planes. God cared for every soul it, that has died in 9-11, that's, di that's died in the wars since 9-11, that's died uh, in, because of the viruses or whatever. God cares for all. He's not that any should perish, die and go to hell, but that all should come to repentance and trust him. 
So he, the best comfort that can come from the events like 9-11 and other things that's happened to us is that men may realize their own mortality and turn to God for salvation. You see, it's not enough just to get on our knees and pray and ask God to help us here during this event and the next week is forgotten. No, if you put your faith in Christ, if you cry out to him for salvation, it's a forever thing. If men will call on him, he is faithful to save them by his grace. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Revelation twenty two seventeen. let him that a thirst come, and whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. Listen, God uh, wants to save your soul if you're not saved this morning. You'll not have that peace that can get you through trials like 9-11 or the death of loved ones or whatever else will, you will face in life. You won't have that ability without God's help. What, what lessons have you learned? What lessons have you learned from what we call the tragedies of life? I've seen too many good people die and quit living for him. That's not the way, not at all. Maybe as we remember 9-11, may we allow God to speak to our hearts. Maybe as you remember 9-11, you have those questions again coming up to you at the forefront of your, your mind and, and why things like this have to happen. Those answers will be found in the Lord. Maybe you're thinking that if you had been there in one of those buildings and and that building collapsed and you lost your life, you'd be in hell right now because you don't know the Lord. Well, the good news is you're alive and you can come today and put your faith and in, in trust in Christ. Maybe uh, you see where America's headed. We've seen several events, major events that have affected all of America. And maybe you see uh, where America's headed because of the decisions that are being made, because of the way it's being led away from truth, away from God. Why don't you come and pray? Pray for America. And there's a need for people to make intercession on behalf of this world. Let's bow our heads.